Amen. Good singing. Thank you. Appreciate that. One of my favorite songs. If he's your Savior, he always will be your Savior. Amen. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40 this morning. Isaiah 40. And I want to look at the first two verses. As you study the Old Testament, especially the prophetic books, you have to think of a couple things. One, that God is using the prophets to speak to Israel right then, but also in a future date. And uh, as Brother Bart was singing about uh, the Christmas story, the first part he sang about was the virgin birth. And uh, Isaiah prophesied about the virgin birth in chapter 7. And so now we come over to chapter 40, and we see in verse number 3 that uh, the Lord, through Isaiah, is prophesying about John the Baptist, that there'll be one that crieth in the wilderness. But in verse 1, notice what he says. The Bible said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that, her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so uh, Israel is, uh, the children of Israel are going into captivity, into Babylonian captivity, and Isaiah is foretelling that. And also he is foretelling uh, the coming of the Messiah. And so we're standing at the gate of the Advent season, Christmas if you'd call it that, that uh, we celebrate the birth of Christ, the fact that God loved mankind in John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son, and he gave him uh, not only at Calvary 33 and a half years after the birth of Christ, but he manifested his love toward us in that he would send his son to be born of a virgin just like the prophet Isaiah said. And I have no problem with that. Let me say this, if your Bible does not say virgin, in Isaiah chapter 7, I believe I'd get a new one. Amen. Because uh, without Mary being virgin, uh, Jesus being virgin born, you don't have a Savior. Now your Bible says, well, a young maiden. Well, there's a lot of young maidens that are not virgins. And the miracle of the birth of Christ was that he was born of a virgin. And uh, again, you understand that the bloodline of every person comes through their father. And because we're descendants of Adam... We're all sinners. And because Jesus did not have an earthly father, by the way, Joseph was not his father. His father was in heaven. He does not have the blood of man, which means he has sinless, perfect blood, which means when he was born of a virgin, he lived 33 and a half years without sin and was examined uh, by the uh, authorities in Jerusalem and found, as Pilate said, I find no fault in him. So the virgin birth was pointing to Calvary and the reason Jesus went to Calvary and died for your sins and mine and God accepted the sacrifice was because he was born of a virgin. Amen. And aren't you glad that God foretold that all the way back in the book of Isaiah that uh, Mary was not an afterthought. Mary was the plan of God. The virgin birth was the plan of God. So it means the glory of the coming Lord. Emmanuel means God with us. Amen. And so the title of the message is this, O come, Emmanuel. Now think about this for a moment. As you study the Old Testament from Genesis all the way up till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize that they had a pretty hard life. I mean, think about this for a moment. 
uh, uh, Adam and Eve sinned. They were kicked out of perfection. Now, uh, Jesus, or God said this. He said, from now on, you're going you're gonna to toil and you're going to earn everything from the sweat of your brow. And all through history, we see man in their trials and their triumphs and their tragedies. Seems like when God would bless, the children of Israel would turn their back on God, worship idols, and do something crazy. Well, we're no different today. And we see death and we see tragedy and we see, uh, we see uh, uh, God allowing things uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, look at your life and look at mine. There's no one in here that has not faced tragedy and trials. There's no one in here who really has a life of comfort, right? And so we have to realize that until Jesus comes, that's what this world has to offer you. And so in chapter 40, when Isaiah is writing this, the children of Israel are not uh, in one of those places where everything's going good. Probably like your life is this morning, right? I mean, if you were honest... And you said, and I know, Brother Shane, the good outweighs the bad. But if we're all honest, everything's not lining up just exactly like you thought it would. Can I get amen there? Now, whatever that looks like, maybe it's health, maybe it's finances, maybe it's family, maybe whatever it is, you look and say, I'm not understanding the plan of God. Well, they didn't understand the plan of God. But God is giving us hope. In chapter 40, verse number 1 and 2, when he says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Now, I realize, Brother Adam, that he is talking to the children of Israel. But I also understand that we can take uh, uh, Scripture, we can take principles, and we can take precepts from the Old Testament, and, and they're written to us as well. And so what I'm saying is, God is aware uh, of the condition of mankind and you as an individual. Now, this taking him by surprise. Listen, when you say, can you imagine? I'll be honest with you, Brother Matt. When I look across the landscape of this world, it blows my mind how crazy people are. Can I get amen there? I mean wickedness. I ain't talking about just, I'm not talking about political stuff. I'm talking about sheer out demonic wickedness is what we're seeing today. And I'm looking, I'm, I can't, five years ago, I'd never seen any of this. It blow my mind. But can I say this? None of this has taken God by surprise. He knew exactly what today would be like. And even this service, this very day, as I was studying for this scripture, God had this in mind for you and me. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. I just want to say hallelujah, amen, right there. Why? Because God is writing to us today through the prophet Isaiah, and he wrote to Israel, and he's saying, listen, you're going to need some comfort. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to get it, amen. It ain't coming from Washington. It's not coming from Santa Claus. It ain't coming because uh, you post something on social media. It's not coming because uh, uh, Social Security's coming. It's not coming. None of that matters. I'm telling you, there will come a time in your life, and probably already has, where nothing, nothing or no one can give you words of comfort except the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he uses this singular thought to show comfort. Oh, come Emmanuel, or God with us, because we are in need of comfort. I don't know about you, but I am. Amen. So let me give you three things this morning. Number one is the coming of comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. 
crying to her. In verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. You know what you're here for today? Now I understand this morning, Brother Marty, as we are in this church, in this service, and you look at Christmas and, and as I mentioned, the loss of loved ones and all that's going on and all that's going on in this world. If we're not careful, Brother Jimmy, we get a victim mentality, don't we? How can I comfort people when I need to be comforted? Right? How, how, can, I, how can I minister when I need to be ministered to? Well, we take our example from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. And so when we look at this, we're in need of comfort today because, listen, there's no hope for anyone or anything outside the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to heaven without Jesus, by the way. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're baptized. It doesn't matter if you grew up in the church. You're not going to heaven without Jesus Christ. America is not going to be uh, helped without the Lord Jesus Christ. Your family's not going to be fixed without the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I need comfort this morning because he is the only one that can fix it. We call him the great physician, yet we call on him last instead of first. And so this morning as we look at this, we see the coming of comfort. Now Isaiah, like many of the other prophets, is talking about Jesus Christ coming uh, as the Messiah. And so you and I realize that today, 2,000 years later, we're looking back on the advent of Christ the first time and realize that we're looking back on Jerusalem and Bethlehem and we celebrate Christmas and we're talking about old little town of Bethlehem and Silent Night. But may I say we're in a very similar position that they were in because things are getting worse and we're not looking for the first advent of Christ. We're looking for the second advent of Christ. Well, he's already come one time, hallelujah, but I'm looking for him to come again. I ain't looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker, aren't you? Praise God. So this morning, understand that we are a people that are destitute of comfort. You don't believe it? Why do people drink alcohol? You say, well, I like the taste. You're a liar. Who in the world would want to taste gasoline? People drink, Brother Barry, because they want to numb the pain. They take drugs because they want to numb the pain. They get into illicit relationships because they want to numb the pain, Miss Bonnie. Why? Because they don't have comfort. There's something inside of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl. There's a hole there. And maybe it's because they weren't loved enough or maybe it's because whatever it is your circumstance this morning, may I say this world has nothing to offer you that will fill that void. People are looking. That's why, listen, as we were talking in Sunday school, we are to steward the gospel, the good news. Why? Because there's a world that is hurting that needs comfort. And if we're not careful, we'll be so consumed with our own comfort that we'll forget they need comfort. And so this world is destitute from comfort. People need it because of our battles, because of, our, because of sin's destruction. This world is getting worse. You, you ready for this? You tell me. You tell me why a kid who ought to be out there uh, playing in the woods, shooting guns and, you know, make-believe guns and playing Barbie dolls at age five and six is contemplating what gender they are. You tell me why. I'll tell you exactly why. Because there's something missing inside. 
You tell me why these, these girls are getting pregnant at such a young age. I'll tell you why. Because they're wanting some comfort. And some some uh, snot-nosed little boy goes up and says, Oh, I love you. And they go, Oh, my daddy didn't love me. Maybe he'll love me. And they get a baby in their belly and then they run off. You know why? Because they're wanting comfort. This whole world's seeking the same thing and we got it. You know what we're doing? Well, if they'll come to church, they can hear about it. They're not going to come to church hear about it. That's why you got to go out there and tell them about it. They're destitute. That's why, listen... That's why you got half the country going, I hate Joe Biden. I wish Donald Trump get back in so my life would go back to normal. And you got the other half saying, I hate Donald Trump. And Joe Biden's, uh, he's uh, crazy as a lunatic, but at least we ain't got him. You know why? Because they're destitute of comfort. They're looking for somebody to fix their problems, and they're not looking in the right place. And some of you in here, the same thing. You're going, well, if this guy will just get in the White House here. None of them have fixed it. None of, listen to me. None of them have fixed it. Quit looking to man to fix the problem. God is the only one going to fix this mess. We've made it. He can fix it. Why? Because we need comfort. And the only comfort you're ever going to have is to know if you draw your last breath where you'll spend eternity. The only way you're going to have comfort is to have the, the, the very person of the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. No, listen. Why do people go from relationship to relationship to relationship? They're looking for somebody to meet that need. And God's only one. Why? Because we're destitute of comfort. Sin's done that to us. We cannot have a relationship, fellowship with God like we used to outside the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden where man and God walked like this. But sin separated that. And now Jesus had to come down the cross so we can be reconciled to the very creator that we have. So people are destitute from comfort, but there's a desire for comfort. You say, no, I don't know if that's true or not. Really? You let it get too hot or too cold in the church, you know what? People are Right? Some of you got blankets. Some of you got a fan. What would you have done when they went to church didn't have heat? What would you have done when they didn't have air conditioning? I know what we, most Baptists done today, they'd stayed home. Yeah, hello. Right? Why? Because we enjoy comfort. Hey, why do you think they got heated seats in cars? Because we don't want to be we don't want to be cold, You're right. Right? You're right? Why do we have Why do we have all the gadgets in life? We want to be comfortable, right? Amen. Brother Jerry, I'm not against that. I'm I, listen. I'm not I'm not saying we go back to the horse and buggy days. I like air conditioning. I like heat. Amen. But see, we've let that we've let that infiltrate every area of life. Right. So and I don't want to go to church today. I just don't feel up to it. Comfort. I, I, hey, it's 11.30, preacher, almost 11.30, been here an hour. Now, I know you've been sick, but hey, you ain't got to get it all done today. Why? Because if we go over the worship hour, it's out of our comfort zone. 
Maybe that's the reason we don't see God showing up anymore, right? Oh, we said, now, God, you knew it in this time frame here. But other than that, whoa. Right? We desire comfort. I mean, listen, I don't know about you. I want comfortable shoes. How many of you remember growing up? They didn't, you didn't have all these options, right? I mean, I had a wide foot, Brother John. They didn't make a lot of wide shoes. And you just get your tennis shoe and you'd cram that thing in there and your feet look, you know. That's exactly right. Looked like it had spikes on the end of your legs. Now, you know what? If I can afford it, I'm going to get me some comfortable shoes. I don't care what they look like. Remember, I had some shoes one time. Lady said, you put these on. She said, they're ugly, but they're comfortable. I said, I don't care. Let me have them. And they were ugly. I'm talking about ugly. But I didn't care. When you hurt bad enough, you won't care what it costs to get some comfort. But we've taken that too far. We don't want to be uncomfortable. That's why people don't want to go to church that preaches the gospel. Because they'll be uncomfortable in their sin. So what do we do? You know what we do? We don't, we're not, the, we're not the, the ground and pillar of truth. We're saying, well, we're seeker sensitive. Well, what would you want in a church? Oh, you want a coffee shop right there, right? Oh, you want to sip lattes while you listen to preaching. Oh, well, you don't want preaching. You want some teaching. Oh, you don't want a Sunday night service. Well, let's, let's not do that. And now we've got a whole generation that's all about comfort, right? No, we don't want to go soul winning because guess what? It'll be uncomfortable. So we desire comfort. But then there's a definitive promise of comfort. Here we see that uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us that the comforter's coming. Amen. God is aware of our need. Man is aware. We do not desire pain and suffering, but because of sin, we have pain and suffering. And so, therefore, God is promising comfort, and God is promising us comfort today. It may not be on this side of eternity, but one day, hallelujah, praise God, when he breaks that eastern sky, every, everything that we're facing here is behind us, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. So the coming of comfort, but number two is the call of comfort. Yes. Notice what he's saying, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Well, there's the coming of comfort. He's telling us what man most needs, God would provide. Right. Man needed a sacrifice. What did God provide? The perfect sacrifice. Man needs healing. What does God provide? The great physician. Man desires comfort. What does God provide? The great comforter. I'm saying whatever your need is, may I say, Emmanuel is coming. He's coming again. One day, all this mess that we're going, this ain't right. I was talking to a preacher the other day. He said, well, I'm not worried about uh, all these lawsuits because the law said, I said, have you lost your mind? I said, if people followed the law, we wouldn't be where we are today. Well, the Constitution says, nobody cares about the Constitution. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm living in the real world. That's right. right? Constitution is wonderful, but let me say this. It's not inspired by God. It's written by man. And so people are going, I don't believe that. I think it's an old, old uh, document. I ain't going to live by it. 
So that's why we have all this mess, right? right? So what we're looking at, we're saying, well, you know, the law says, and nobody, all you got to have is one judge says, well, I don't, I don't see it that way. And you're going to jail, right? You say, well, you know, if so-and-so wins, I'm not, listen, I'll give you this. There's as much corruption on that side of the aisle as there is on this one. So what I'm saying is, until Jesus comes to set all this mess right, right, don't be, don't, how many, how many, don't raise your hand. But how many, how many of you every time something comes on, one of these crazy, you're going, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Right? I mean, they, you know, they, they, they can find, they can find people that posted something on Facebook about January 6th that wasn't even there, they can't find Epstein's black book. Now you tell me how that happened, right? They say they can find aliens, but they can't find the one that leaked that uh, Supreme Court decision when there's like 10 of them. I don't believe none of this mess. Now you believe all you want to, right? But here's my point. Till Jesus comes, I ain't believing none of them. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what he said. Yet we're going, I believe them. They're, boy, they're as honest as all. Everybody's a liar. You are. I am. You say, oh, well, I'm not a liar. Yeah, you are. You know why? Because God said you were. Let God be true every man a liar. As best as you try, you're still going to sin. That's my point. So what I'm saying is the coming of comfort, till Jesus comes, all this stuff's going to keep getting worse. Well, then, uh, God gives us the character of comfort. Emmanuel, what's it mean? God with us. Didn't say angel with us. Didn't say Gabriel. Didn't say Michael. Didn't say Peter. You with me? Amen? The important things that God has to do, listen to me, he does himself. Amen? He didn't leave it up to the Pope to save us. He didn't leave it up to the Baptist brethren to come up with a... He didn't leave it up to Peter and Paul. He didn't leave it up to Abraham and Isaac. What God, the important things that God requires, God does himself. You say, how can you prove that? God with us. Hey, listen. Jesus is God. God came and was born in a manger, lived on earth 33 and a half years, and then God went to the cross and died in your place. Hallelujah. He wanted to make sure it was done just right. Amen. And by the way, it was done just right. And that is the character of comfort is God. Listen, as much as I try to comfort you and we'll say we need to encourage and edify one another, we are try, but you know what, Brother Dennis, we'll mess it up. Now here's what I want to ask you. You be honest. And don't 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 uh, break your arm patting yourself on the back. How many of you have ever tried to encourage somebody and it just didn't come out right and you end up making them mad? If you say, not me, you're a liar. Because we say things and it sounds good in here, but then by the time it gets from here out to here, it did not come out like we thought it was going to. And you go, and you can see it on their face. They go, and you go, what? We're, we're imperfect. Can I, can I help you with something? That's probably one of the reasons that, that uh, we ought to have some grace towards each other in the church. Yes. Right? 
Instead of getting mad and leaving church because somebody hurt your feelings, maybe you ought to look how you hurt somebody's feelings and say, you know what? I'm as messed up as they are. We're just going to try to serve God together and go to heaven together because we're all messed up. Amen. I mean, can I be honest with you? I hope you don't do this. Now, Brother Shane, how long y'all been? I barely asked you. Miss Andy, how long y'all been married? 26 years. Has he ever upset you? Well, did you tear up papers and kick him out and say, I'm done with you? A couple times, but y'all still together. Why? Because they, they've learned to fix some stuff. Some of y'all need to learn to fix some stuff. Walk around with your feathers all ruffled all the time. Listen, God is the only one that can really comfort us like we need to be comforted. Yet we don't go to him. Right? We'll go to everybody else trying to get the comfort we need that only God can provide. And then when they don't deliver it, we go, I can't believe they can't give me what I need. God is only one. And so the character of comfort, God himself is coming. Not a substitute, just him. Not a prophet, just God himself. Then there's the consolation of comfort, God's word. Say, well, they, what they should have done, right? Now, now let me finish. What they should have done was heard the prophet Isaiah and say, you know what, Jesus is coming. You say, that's right, preacher, it's right there. Huh? Hold on. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have this whole thing. Yet some of you, you've got God's inspired, preserved, perfect word. Listen to me. And yet you still doubt God. So before you, before you look at them Old Testament saints and give them a hard time, say, bless God, they should have listened to Isaiah. Well, I've been crying in the wilderness for 21 years and some of y'all still ain't listening to me. Right? God's word's going to bring comfort. You're, you're going to feel, listen to me church, sometimes you're going to feel like all hope is lost. Sometimes you're going to feel like there's no, there's no sunshine coming up in the morning. Right? That's when you got to go to God's word and say, I may not feel it, I may not understand it, but God said it, so therefore, God is obligated by his word. And then number three is the compassion of comfort. And here, here's the deal. There is a necessity of comfort. Why? Because you can't comfort yourself. You can't, listen to me, you can't save yourself. Greatest need you've got this morning is where you're going to spend eternity. And you can't, you, listen, you cannot make yourself go to heaven. Here's what I mean. The only thing you can do is accept what Jesus has already done for you. Right? You say, I'm going to be a good person. I hope you are. But it won't be good enough. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit drinking. Good. That's a good thing. Maybe your liver will thank you for it. But that ain't going to take you to heaven. You say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit cussing. Good. You won't sound so ignorant. But you still ain't going to heaven. I'm going to start giving to the poor. Wonderful. That's a great thing to do. But you're still not going to heaven. See? You cannot fix your situation to take you to heaven. What you can do is realize that what you couldn't do, God did do. That he sent you the comfort. You just, Listen. 
You're going, oh, man, if I just made more money. Young people, let me, let me help you with something. There's not enough money in the world Amen. to fix this hole. Amen. Right. right? If it was, you tell me. Tiger Woods. Right. Potentially one of, if not the greatest golfer who's ever played the game. At one time, Brother Matt, before he got divorced, right, he was worth over $750 million. He's probably more than that. You know what he did? Do you think? I mean, get to play golf every day? You say, that don't sound like fun to me. It does me. I, he, they gave him $60 million before he ever played one round of golf. I mean, you're talking about job security. You go out and be the worst golfer ever. Nike said, here's $60 million for you. Just go out and put our hat on. I don't even like Nike, but I promise you this, they give me $60 million, I'd probably wear their hat, wouldn't you? So you think, here's a man, greatest golfer in the world, has all kinds of money, got to, got to do what he loved, play the game he loved every single day of his life. You know what? He was a whoremonger. Run around on his wife. Every city he went, you know what she did? She chased him out the door because he's drunk one night took a golf club, smashed it through the windshield of their car. He hits a fire hydrant. She divorces him, and guess what? Half of $750 million ain't in his bank account no more. Oh, but if I had that kind of money, really? Let me help you with something else. Every lottery winner, more, I think, I don't know the percentage, but it's almost all of them. You know what? When they win these big lotteries, you know how much it got left? Zero. You know why? Because they're asking for something to bring comfort that can't bring comfort. There's a necessity. There's a hole here. God said the only thing that's going to fix it is me. And you're here this morning and you're trying. No, I'm the exception to the rule, preacher. I'm going to find, I want to make all this money. I'm getting me a new car. I'm going I'm to have a good job. I'm going to have a nice house. I'm going to have a husband, wife, whatever it is. I'm going to have all that stuff, and I'm going to prove wrong. You know what you'll be? Statistic. That's right. Statistic. Can I help you with something? I'm going to give you a word of personal testimony. Before God called me to preach. You ask Miss Ellen, 20, 21 years ago, I grew up and I said, you know what I want? I want to I wanna have a job where I make a bunch of money. I'll go to church. I'll serve God. But the important thing to me, I want to be successful. And so I had a job, made good money, sales, enjoyed it. I was successful. Got to where I wasn't going to church. Got to where our marriage stunk. If I'd say this, Brother Matt, if I'd stayed on the road I was on, we wouldn't be married 30 years next month. We'd be a statistic. Because the only thing that I saw was dollar signs. Didn't care what it cost, dollar signs. New car, new house, successful, right? Some of you the same way. 
Now, I'm not, I, I don't think God's upset with you being successful when you give him the glory. See, I wasn't giving him the glory. I want it for me. I want it because I thought it would bring me comfort. So all the things the world would say, hey, if you had this new car, this new house, this new watch, this new purse. I didn't have no purse, by the way. I'm talking about to you ladies. And you get one. You know what happens when you get that new item? You're like, oh, this is wonderful. And then it's like, I got to have something new. I got to have something else. And this world markets to that and says, oh, guess what? You got a new new car coming out. Guess what? December, new car month, praise God. The new models are coming out. New hunting rifle. New golf club, right? Man, I was, them guys buy $500 drivers because they'd give them 12 more yards on their drive. I'm like, your problem ain't your 12 yards. You just are not good. You spend that money on some golf lessons, not on a driver, right? So we're looking. There's a necessity. There's a desire for it. We can't save ourselves. We're sinners. We can't heal ourselves. Therefore, we can't comfort ourselves. And then finally, there's the nearness of comfort. Listen to what I'm saying. I'll close. Emmanuel. You know what that means? God with us. Not on the other side of the universe. With us. And what he was saying was that the... The God of heaven is going to come to earth and walk among you. What he's saying to us today is now, because we have the Holy Spirit of God, God is with us. That ought to bring comfort to you this morning. I don't know if America's going to get better. I know this. Now, I, I don't, maybe it's different, but I don't see it in prophecy anywhere. I don't see, I don't see where God says, America, you're going to be there in the end. Right? right? Now maybe I'm maybe it's you know I'm missing it, but I know this. We were running around saying, "Boy, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud, boy. American pride, really. Pride cometh before destruction, the Holy Spirit before the fall. Well, you ought to have some national pride, uh." Uh-uh. You can't find that in your Bible. We ought to give glory to God because of what he's done here. That's why America's great. Right? Now, I know some of you super patriots are going to get mad at me. I'm red, red, white, and blue as any of you. I love this country. But I'm also realized that America's not great because of a free market economy and because of a democracy. America's great because God has blessed this nation. And the moment we turn our back on God, you can forget about America being great. So before you get all mad and say, preacher, he's, he's not patriotic, man, I'd die for this country today. But I ain't going to run around saying, we ain't never done nothing wrong. We better get back to God. You know what's going to make churches great? When they get back to God. You know what's going to make families great? When they get back to God. What's going to make your life comfortable? I'm not saying that you won't ever have any problems, but you'll have comfort in the problems. You know what that's going to be? When you get back to God. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you need to come to God. 
if you've walked away from God, may I say today you need to come back to God because all that you're searching for, you're never going to have outside of Jesus. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads this morning. Amen. Miss Susan's coming. The altar's open. If you need to come, you come. No one's looking around. Let me ask you this. Is there one here today? Just by an uplifted hand, you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. I won't come to you. I won't send nobody to you. I just want to pray for you. Is there one? If I died today, preacher, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Put it up. Come on. Is there one? Amen. By our own testimony, we're all saved on our way to heaven. Why don't you have peace? Why don't you have comfort? Maybe this morning you just need to say, you know what, Lord, I need to come back to you. It's not a salvation issue. It's a, it's a fellowship issue. You're outside of fellowship with God. And you just, there's no peace. There's no comfort. No joy. The Bible says this. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're part of the all this morning. Whatever your need, you come. Need somebody to pray with you, we'll pray with you. Yes, Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for touching hearts this morning. Thank you being for, uh, for being so good to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.